every spiritual blessing in Christ. For he chose us in him before the creation of the world to be holy and blameless in his sight. In love he predestined us for adoption to sonship through Jesus Christ in accordance with his pleasure and will to the praise of his glorious grace which he has freely given us in the one he loves. In him we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of sins, in accordance with the riches of God's grace that he lavished on us. With all wisdom and understanding, he made known to us the mystery of his will, according to his good pleasure, which he purposed in Christ, to be put into effect when the times reach their fulfilment, to bring unity to all things in heaven and on earth under Christ. In him we also were chosen, having been predestined according to the plan of him who works out everything in conformity with the purpose of his will, in order that we, who were the first to put our hope in Christ, might be for the praise of his glory. And you also were included in Christ when you heard the message of truth, the gospel of your salvation. When you believed, you were marked in him with a seal, the promised Holy Spirit, who is a deposit guaranteeing our inheritance until the redemption of those who are in God's possession, to the praise of his glory. Thanks, Sue. Let's uh, pray now and ask God to help us uh, to really get a handle on this passage. Father, please, would you uh, uh, speak to us and pray you'd help us to understand this. There's a lot of big words in there. And uh, we pray, Lord, that we may uh, be filled with joy as we study your word together now for Jesus' sake. Amen. So I've got a question. Are you absolutely sure that you're a Christian? Uh, some days you might think, well, uh, if, you know, if I behave like that, like I did last night, then, uh, you know, or like I did at school or uh, with uh, my parents the other day, then maybe I'm not quite so sure. I thought I was, but not quite so clear now. Or maybe you think, well, uh, uh, the way I've been uh, uh, feeling my way and I've just done Alpha and so on, and uh, uh, which was really good, and something's changed, so I think I might be, but to be honest, I'm not quite yet sure. Or maybe you made a clear commitment during Alpha and uh, uh, talking to your friends at work one day, and then they started kind of getting at you, and you were pretty sure when you went to work, but then when you came away from those kind of conversations, you thought, ooh, I'm not really quite so sure after all. Well, we're starting on the book of Ephesians this evening, and when we're looking at Ephesians 1, verses 1 to 14, it is a fantastic passage. And uh, there's so much stuff in here, we could go on a very long time, but don't worry, we won't be that long. And, uh, um, and if you wanted to give the book of Ephesians a title, then I think I would give it a title, Altogether Forever. 
In fact, I did give the title, a book, a title uh, on the book of Ephesians, the title Altogether Forever, Once Upon a Time, um, because Christians are people together. It's a book about the church, and Christians are people together, and we start together now, and we will be together forever with Jesus in heaven. And uh, uh, as I've just said, Ephesians is a book that's generally speaking about the church, who we are, what we're like, and how we're going to live. And uh, uh, the church is not a building. Don't think of this as Bishop Hannington Church. Think of us as Bishop Hannington Church. The church is Christian people. So the question that uh, we're looking at here this evening, which we started off with, are you a Christian? Are you a member of the church? It's really important. And it was particularly important for the people in Ephesus that Paul was writing to. Because they'd had a really rough time. Um, do you remember, were you here in the morning two weeks ago, when at the mix, we were looking at Acts 19, and uh, when Paul and co. arrived in Ephesus, and uh, it was, um, uh, Ephesus was a real centre of worship of uh, a multi-breasted fertility god called Diana, or in the Greek, uh, her name was Artemis. And there was a really big industry there making gold and silver models of Artemis. People would make a, a pilgrimage uh, to Ephesus in order to uh, visit the Temple of Artemis, which was huge. It was about the size of the Amex. Oh, that's a huge temple, okay? You could put a football pitch inside it quite easily. And why would they go? Well, they would go maybe because they wanted to get pregnant. Or maybe they'd go because they had got pregnant. Or maybe they'd go because they wanted to have a son, because you wanted to have a son in those days and so on. And, uh, uh, and then when the Christians turned up, they found it a real threat to all this business around this goddess Artemis and all the making of the models and all the people coming in. It was their tourist industry. And so a riot started. It was a th- Christians were a threat to their business. Now, in Acts 19, uh, it, ref- it refers to a bloke called Alexander. It may have been the same Alexander we find in 2 Timothy 4. Timothy was later the minister in Ephesus. So it could well have been the same guy there. And Paul talks about Alexander the metal worker. And it wouldn't be surprising if Alexander the metal worker was a guy who had been making models, multi-breasted models, of this god Diana or Artemis. Same person, different names depending on the language, okay? And Paul says in 2 Timothy 4, Alexander the metal worker did me a great deal of harm. And that could be the same Alexander that Paul talks about in his first letter to Timothy, in 1 Timothy 1.20, who said he should be handed over to Satan to be taught not to blaspheme. Maybe it's the same guy. It was tough being a Christian in Ephesus. It was hard at the beginning, and it carried on being hard, okay? It was a rough place for a Christian. Now, if you're in a rough place to be a Christian, it really helps to be sure that you are a Christian. And so when he starts his letter here, he's actually saying to these guys, look, I want to show you that you uh, uh, can be sure that you're Christian believers. Okay? So, and the reason, the way that you can be sure that you're a Christian is uh, to look to the Trinity. So this evening, uh, I'm simply saying this. Okay? Want to be sure? Look to the Trinity. 
look to the Trinity. And it's exactly the same for us. If you want to be sure about your Christian faith, in Ephesus, you're saying you need to look to the Trinity because that's the basis for our Christian faith. That's how we can be sure. And for us too. Maybe you're very young in your Christian faith. Look to the Trinity. God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit. Three persons, one uh, being. Same substance, fully God, each of them completely and fully God. Now, uh, we don't understand how that works out. We're not going to have a sermon on the Trinity tonight. Uh, and that, by the way, that little image on there, I don't think it's very good, personally. Um, uh, so ignore that image and don't spend the rest of the sermon thinking why it's not very good. If you're coming to, uh, uh, if you're coming to feast later on, I'll tell you. But anyway, there is no image which is perfectly good at telling you what the Trinity, how the Trinity works out. All right. So, uh, um, but actually, each person of the Trinity is fundamental uh, to us being sure about our salvation. So, want to be sure? Look to the Trinity. If you want to be sure, convinced, if you want to know that you're a Christian, just think Father, Son, Holy Spirit. Those are the three points in the sermon tonight. So first point is this. Sons and daughters of the Father. Sons and daughters of the Father. Now, I'm going to focus on verses 3 to 14. Uh, In the original, this was written in Greek originally, and it was one sentence. And uh, you might try to say it in one breath. I've tried. I can't do it. I doubt you could do it either, okay? I think I got up to about verse 8 and then ran out of puff. Um, but it's, uh, it's got a feeling of, um, uh, of overflowing praise. You know if you shake up a bottle of Coke and then you open it, and it just goes all over the show, yeah? Or if, uh, you know, that's the idea here. It's just exploding with praise. Or say if you're a gardener and you've got a load of compost and you're going to put it on the vegetable patch and you've got this in the wheelbarrow, you open it out and just go all over your vegetable patch. Same idea, okay? So it is an overflowing of praise here to God. That's what it's about. Uh, here, Paul the Apostle, he's in awe and wonder over what God has done. And as you read it, in one breath if you can, um, he's so sure, he's so certain. And it makes you think, actually, I can be sure. I can be certain too. And in some ways, um, it seems a bit of a, this is kind of an explosion of praise here. And in some ways, it feels a bit of a shame to slow down and to look at it in more detail and to look at it bit by bit and to kind of dissect it. Because it kind of, in some ways, it feels like you're taking away from the feel of this passage. But there are some extraordinary things here. And so on the one hand... You want to try reading it quickly, all in one. Just go straight through it and just exploding with it. On the other hand, you want to read it really, really, really slowly. And focus on each phrase. And pray about each little bit that you read there. So do both in time. But uh, uh, it is a wonderful, wonderful passage. And he's talking here about spiritual blessings. Um, so, and those are not the same as material blessings. So, for instance, you can be materially unblessed, if you like. So you can have a, a huge overdraft and struggle to pay the bills and wondering how you're going to eat home this winter and feed the kids and so on. But if you're a Christian, he says, whatever your material state, you've had your socks blessed off. You've got every spiritual blessing in Christ. Verse 3. Praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us in the heavenly realms with every spiritual blessing in Christ. If you're a Christian, you have already, right here, right now, every spiritual blessing in Christ. Now that phrase, in Christ, 
or uh, in him, like in verse 4 and verse 7 and verse 11 here, uh, well, it comes, depends on your version, but it comes 11 times in verses 3 to 14. So it's a description of being a Christian. So it's all part of this thing of being sure that you're a Christian. And to be in Christ is a description of what it means. It's talking about the union there is between you and Jesus. And a union which begins when you become a Christian. Okay, You become in Christ. It means you are in him. It means he is in you. So, for instance... Sorry about these transitions. I put them in earlier on this afternoon. They're a bit weird, aren't they? Um, so, uh, uh, so, for instance, if you've got a handshake like that one there, whose hand is in whose? Well, it's both, isn't it? And that's a picture of the link between you uh, and Jesus. Or, uh, uh, or you might say, if you like uh, Mercedes and Lewis Hamilton, our six times world F1 champion there, um, you could say, well, Lewis Hamilton in his Mercedes, they are one. But when he sits in that car and takes around this racetrack extraordinarily quickly, um, he and the car are one together. Lewis in the car, the car in Lewis, if you want to put it like that, okay? It is that oneness, that unity. And uh, you are one with Christ. You live, if you're a Christian, in Christ, and he lives in you by his spirit. More of that later. So much we could say here now, uh, but the key point uh, is this. Look at verses 4 to 6. He chose us in him before the creation of the world. So guys, we are tonight celebrating and thinking about something which began before the world began. So in a past eternity, before any of this existed, you were in God's mind and in his heart. You were his choice. He chose us in him before the creation of the world to be holy and blameless in his sight. In love, he predestined us for adoption to sonship through Jesus Christ in accordance with his pleasure and will to the praise of his glorious grace, which he has freely given us in the one he loves. So when you become a Christian... You believe in Jesus, and what happens is that something that was decided before time began is brought to reality, and you are adopted. God adopts you as his son or daughter. So, we become sons and daughters of the Father. Sons and daughters of the Father. Now, at the bottom of the page in our church Bibles, it says, the Greek word for adoption to sonship is a legal term referring to the full legal standing of an adopted male heir in Roman culture, which is why they've translated it sons in the NIV. But we would understand that, of course, to be sons and daughters, hence the heading, okay? That's why they've got sons in our Bibles. So it means that when you believe in Jesus, you are legally adopted into God's family. We are adopted into God's family. And nothing will change that. Safe and secure. Whatever the world throws at us. There was a class of uh, junior school children discussing a picture of their family. And one little boy in the picture had a different coloured hair to everyone else in the picture. And one little girl in the class said, I think he's adopted. I know all about adoptions because I was adopted. 
And uh, someone said, uh, so what's it mean to be adopted? And it means, said the girl, quite proudly, that you grew in your mummy's heart instead of her tummy. Means, if you like, you grew in God's heart. He adopted you into his family. Adoption means they chose you. Adoption means God chose you. Beginning of verse 4, he chose us in him before time began. It was God the Father's pleasure and God the Father's will that you should be a Christian. We are sons and daughters by adoption of our Heavenly Father who chose us. Not our doing. Oh yeah, we put our hope in Christ. Have a look at verse 12. We believe, look at verse 13. It all began way, 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 way back before then. And that's merely our response. So we can be sure of our salvation because it's not our doing. It's not our doing. I was just talking to uh, someone just uh, uh, just this afternoon talking about uh, uh, um, uh, uh, talking about someone else and, uh, uh, and, and they referred to uh, such a nice person and how much you've done and so on. And I was trying to explain that Actually, to be a Christian, it's not about what we do. But it's about God choosing us. And us putting our hand in his. And we become his sons and daughters. It's his work, not ours. And if you think it is down to us, I'm sure that's one reason why a lot of people are not sure of their salvation. Because they never know where they've done enough. And it's a tyranny. It's a tyranny that we need to get out of. Because it's not down to us. Never has been, never will be. So, sons and daughters of the Father. Second, zooming off into the sunset, saved by the Son. Saved by the Son. Now look at verses 7 and 8. In him... Another one of those phrases. We have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of sins in accordance with the riches of God's grace that he lavished on us with all wisdom and understanding. In all this, uh, we uh, see our salvation. It's all about God's grace. It's all about God's grace. And uh, I love that phrase in verse 8 there. It's lavished on us. Overwhelming grace. On the day we got back from our honeymoon... Uh, which was in 1981, so many years ago that was. Um, uh, 38, Sam, thank you. <laughs> Two to go till our ruby. And uh, uh, on the day we got back from our honeymoon, we went back to our little council flat in Leighton Buzzard in Bedfordshire. And uh, while we were away, the presents that we had been given for our wedding were delivered to the little flat. There was just a huge mound of them in the living room and a bottle of champagne in the fridge. And uh, uh, including uh, the presents, nine casseroles, which are always very handy over the years. Um, but we were overwhelmed, simply overwhelmed with people's uh, generosity. And, and also, I have to say, by the wrapping paper as well. Um, they had lavished presents on us. It was extraordinary. And so is God, through Jesus. Except it's far more extraordinary, it's far more wonderful. And sometimes it seems unbelievably good. But it isn't unbelievably good, it is true. And uh, we've had a huge problem. Separated from God, 
by our sins and a just God who demands that justice be done before we're reunited with him. And justice was done and the price was paid at the cross. Uh, You may have heard John Stott's explanation as he wrote this once in his book Basic Christianity. The accumulated sins of all human history were laid upon him. Voluntarily he bore them in his own body. He made them his own. He shouldered full responsibility for them. Bearing our sins, he died our death. And someone else has written, I owed a debt I couldn't pay. Christ paid a debt he didn't owe. And so you see in verse 7 here, which talks about the cross, and we see that redemption, that the buying us back, the paying the price for our sin, is the forgiveness of sins. Redemption is the forgiveness of sins. And it was achieved as Christ died for us. Our salvation is not our doing. We were simply helpless sinners in great need of a wonderful Savior. And at the cross, Jesus died for our sins, for our forgiveness. He took our place and he died our death. You didn't earn your way to heaven. You're on the way there because Jesus died for you. So be thankful and be assured that your place is booked, guaranteed and ready. Want to be sure? Look to the Trinity. God the Father has adopted us as his sons and daughters. God the Son has saved us by dying on that cross. And then third, it's a very strange transition, isn't it? Sealed by the Spirit, verses 13 and 14. And you also were included in Christ when you heard the message of truth, the gospel of your salvation, possibly on that first visit, which ended up in a riot. And they had to leave in a hurry. When you believed, you were marked in him with a seal, the promised Holy Spirit, who is a deposit guaranteeing our inheritance until the redemption of those who are God's possession to the praise of his glory. Now, what image comes about, comes to mind when I say sealed? Bath sealant? I've just caught Terry Sweetman's <laughs> um, sitting in the back row there. Uh, or the seal on a fridge or a freezer. You know, sometimes you have to struggle to open the door. And, uh, well, the, the idea is very old-fashioned, but um, what they mean is, I have a, something rather official here, and this red thing, you can have a look at it later on if you like, is a seal. And uh, this is just, uh, this is just biz- bizarre, okay? This is the Church of England for you in all its splendor. Be it known to all people that on the date here underwritten, the Reverend Philip Russell Moon, Clark, that's me, personally appearing before us, Martin, by divine permission, Bishop of Chichester, to be collated to the canonry and prebend of Siddlesham in our cathedral church, the Holy Trinity, did before his admission thereto, make and subscribe in our presence the declaration of assent, the oath of allegiance to the Queen's Majesty, and the oath of canonical obedience, 
obedience to us and our successors as by law required and that, capital A, but no full stop, uh, he would faithfully serve the statutes, ordinances and laudable customs of our cathedral church so far as they concern him. And marvellous. Now, uh, now it's, uh, that's all kind of guff, okay? The, the point is, there's a seal on here. And the seal says it's genuine. Okay? The seal says that uh, um, uh, I've got a, um, for some reason best known to themselves, I, I, I became a canon at the, at the cathedral, okay? And, and, and the seal is just saying, it's a real thing, okay? It's the real deal. Do come and uh, translate it for me later on, if you like. Now, when we believe in Jesus, the Spirit comes to live in our lives. And he's a seal. His presence in our lives saying, this guy's, this is genuine. Your faith is genuine. You may notice some differences. The Bible starts making a bit of sense. Church starts to be good. Christians are all right after all. Singing, well you actually rather look forward to singing God's praises and loads of other things too. But he's also described here in verse 14 as a deposit. It's like the deposit on a big purchase, for instance. You know, if you buy a car or a house, a deposit to seal the deal. And uh, But in the original, the deposit is exactly the same word as an engagement ring. Arabone in the original. The Holy Spirit is God's engagement ring to you. I love that. You know, when we got engaged, gave okay, her engagement ring and says that we'll, one day we we're going to get married. We did. And the Holy Spirit's engagement ring says, one day we will get married. Because uh, the book of Revelation says the church is like a bride. Well, it's not just the book of Revelation, but the church is like a bride. And when Jesus re- returns, it'll be like a wedding day. And as we wait for that day, we have an engagement ring. Not on our finger, but in our hearts. The deposit a seal, a guarantee that our redemption from this world will be complete. And that will be the most wonderful, brilliant day when we join Jesus and with each other we will be in the new heaven and the new earth. How can we be sure we're going to be part of that? Because the Holy Spirit inside our hearts is our engagement ring. So just remember. Do you want to be sure? You look to the Trinity. And we remember that we're sealed by the Spirit. We're saved by the Son. Jesus who died for us. And we have been adopted as God's sons and daughters. By our Heavenly Father. Father Son, Spirit. Want to be sure? You can be, and you should be. Look to the Trinity. Let's pray. And then I'll hand over to Gillian. Father, um, thank you that as Paul begins his letter 
to the church in Ephesus. He wants them to be, to know that they can be sure in really quite a rough situation. And Father, thank you that it is the Trinity, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, who assure us of our salvation together. Lord, thank you for this encouragement. And please help us to walk tall this week, knowing that we're yours, for Jesus' sake. Amen.